sorry, I don't mean to do this as we get started. Matt, can you go to my office? And I have a water bottle on my desk. I don't know if this is mine from the last time I taught or Jacob's, and so it's probably a, a bad idea to use it. So I was going to do it, but anyways. Um, so if you're new here, I'm not Pastor Zeke, um, Pastor Daniel. Pastor Zeke's out today. He's, um, I think it's called Calvary Chapel Inland. They're on like the 60 and the 15. Um, you know, one of the coolest things about um, what's going on in this church right now is how God has so blessed us with just manpower. And uh, so there's a smaller church there uh, in that area that just kind of needed a pastor for the day. And so they called us and said, hey, can you uh, send someone over here? And so my dad goes, yeah, let's just, uh, I'll, go, I'll go over there and I'll go serve you guys. So um, we, we have the, the ability to do that here. And it's a, it's a real blessing to other smaller churches. We have such a heart for, um, you know, churches our size and smaller who, I, I say, we're not very professional. We don't really know all that we're doing all the time as far as like church order and all that stuff. I mean like organizing. Um, but we are sometimes a step ahead of someone else who could use some help. And so uh, it's a real blessing to, for him to be able to be over there today. And so he's teaching to, to minister to the pastor there and give him a little bit of rest. Um, I just want to spend, a mo- thank you, you're the best. Um, I just want to spend a moment just praying. Um, just life is so chaotic sometimes. And, uh, and I think sometimes, you know, and, and I, I don't know what everybody here is going through, but um, it's a big room and there's a lot, I'm sure, that goes on. And, and I just want to pray right now that God would overwhelm us with his peace, right? There's times that we could just get anxious and like, what's going to go on? You know, this week, I'm telling you, it's, it's just, it's felt like one thing after another. I don't know if you're in that boat, but I am this week. <laughs> just feels like just one thing after another. Boom, 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 boom. And uh, and it's okay. It's not, I'm, I'm not trying to be like, you know, all somber about it. I, we have a God. You know, it, like, it's perfect that it's Communion Sunday is what I'm saying, I guess. <laughs> that to, to be reminded of the cross, to be reminded that it, for all eternity, we will be with Jesus, you know? And sometimes we just need that reminder. And so let's just pray right now uh, for, for just God's peace. Uh, Father, you are the God of all peace. And, and sometimes, Lord, we just need to get a fresh look at your face and let the things of this world, no matter how distant or how close, Lord, there's just chaos in this world. And, and Jesus, we remember your promise that you say, in this world, you will have tribulation. And Lord, sometimes that seems truer and truer by the day. And then, Lord, in the next breath, you say, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And so, Lord, we want to rest in that promise that you have everything figured out. Lord, everything to you is already set for all eternity. And I pray that like children, we would trust our Father to take care of things. And, and so, Lord, we ask you, and, and Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and to fill us to overflowing that your peace would reign supreme in our lives right now. <laughs> Lord, it, it's... I, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody in here. I can speak for myself, Lord, but I... I I, I can't carry it on my own, Lord. I need you to carry it. Lord, all these burdens. And so we just thank you, God, that you give peace to your children. And help us that it, it, even in the moments as we study, as those thoughts would desire to creep back in our mind, Lord, we, we just bind them in the name of Jesus. And you say sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Lord, for right now, for the next like 40 minutes, we just want to sit and listen to what you say. And I pray that for myself as well, Lord. Not, not, just, not just for 
those sitting, but for me even standing and teaching, I still want to hear from you, Lord. I need to hear from you. And so give us your peace, Lord, that you're in control. Thank you for that reminder. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So thank you for being patient with me in that way. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, it's been a weird month, hasn't it? <laughs> you know, we, I think the only rhythm we've had in here is 1 Corinthians. And so um, as Pastor Zeke's out, we, we just, whoever teaches up here picks up in 1 Corinthians where the last guy left off. And so Pastor Jacob uh, shared last time and he went through verse 16. Um, and so the, the two uh, studies while we were in Uganda, uh, from my understanding, were a little PG-13. And uh, that's good. The Bible's written PG-13, if not rated R, if you read the whole thing. You know, I was reading the, in the book of Judges this morning in my own personal reading, finished the book of Judges, and I thought, yeah, that's pretty rated R right there, you know. Um, and so that's one of my favorite things about the Bible is that we just get all of it. And as we study through, you know, we don't want to just learn the greatest hits of God. We, we want the whole book, you know, and it's good for us. And so there's something in it. Now, I have to say, I told Jacob, I go, Jacob, really, you couldn't finish the whole chapter? You know, you couldn't just get us through this portion and, and we can get into the easy things like talking about meat sacrifice to idols, you know, um, and if it's okay to eat that stuff. But there, so what Paul's going to do here in chapter seven is wrap up this kind of section on, you know, still a little bit about, you know, marriage, about certain relationships, and, uh, and then kind of chapter 7 kind of ends a little period of answering questions relating to uh, kind of the marriage relationship. And then in chapter 8, he'll get to matters of conscience and uh, whether or not it's okay to eat meat sacrificed to idols. And so uh, today we're going we're gonna to finish. I, I think we are. I think we've got plenty of time. What time does this service end? I, I shouldn't even be the one asking that, but t- at 10. At, oh, yeah, plenty of time. I think we've got plenty of time. I think we've got plenty of time. So, um, so verse 17, we'll read through the end of the chapter. There will be some things that sound like, just kind of head scratching, kind of puzzling. And we'll talk about them. It says, uh, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Verse 20, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called by the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. Verse 25. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that it is good because of the present distress that, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. So that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of this world, how he may please his wife. Verse 34, there is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. 
And this I say to uh, say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, if she is past the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. A wife is bound by the law as long as long as her husband lives. And if her husband dies, she's at liberty to marry, uh, be married to whomever she wishes, only in the Lord. Verse 40, but she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment, and I think I also have the Spirit of God. Now, that was a lot of odds and ends as he's closing up this little part of the book, and there's some things that, did anyone find some head scratchers in there? Some, that would, I don't know exactly, and so he starts out, and you'll notice a theme, and it's the title of the message, live as you are called. One of the things I love about walking with Jesus is that he does not ask us to live out anyone else's calling. He asks us to live as he has called us to live individually, right? And there's rules, obviously, throughout all the word of God of what what it means to walk with Jesus and to serve the Lord, but each one receives a special calling from God, and that is what we walk in, and that is what we will be judged against when we uh, make our way to heaven. And so four times in the chapter does he use that phrase or, or, or a type of that phrase to live just as you're called. It says in verse 17, God has distributed to each one, just like we said, and as the Lord has called them, let them walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Basically, he's saying, Corinthians, it's no different for you than it is for the rest of the churches. This is the way it goes everywhere. You live as you're called. And he's going to kind of talk about that in a couple ways. He's going to talk about it, number one, uh, as, it, as it relates to the Jew and Gentile relationship. He's going to talk about it as, it as it relates to the slave or free type of relationship or as it t- talks to married or unmarried. But in all these things, he says, live as you're called, okay? And so he starts out and he says in verse 18, was anyone called while circumcised? So he's talking to a Jewish audience here saying, were you called as a Jew? He says, you don't need to become uncircumcised. You don't need to go live like a Gentile now. If this is where God's called you, this is where you live, this is who you are, you live that way. He says, was anybody called while uncircumcised or as a Gentile? Is anyone a Gentile? Were you saved that way? He says, you do not need to come and become a Jew. You don't have to go get circumcised. And we have, we have examples of both in the Bible. We know that like Timothy was um, half Jew, half Greek. And so he got circumcised in order, or in order to really not offend people. Titus, another guy who followed with Paul, was Greek. And Paul goes, you don't need to get circumcised, man. And even if you go through the book of Acts, there's arguments. Do we make the Gentiles become like Jewish people and, and try to serve? And Paul gets up and says, or he says, you know, we couldn't even fulfill the law, guys, as Jewish people. So why would we ask Gentiles to do that? And he goes, just live as you're called, live for the Lord. And he says in verse uh, 19, circumcision is nothing, uncircumcision is nothing. And and it it doesn't mean like it's nothing at all. But in comparison, he says, but keeping the commandments of God, that is what matters. To be obedient to God is what matters. And so we have these things that God speaks all throughout his word. You know, the law was 10 commandments that came down from Mount Sinai. Um, I I think the number's right here that that by the time the Levites had their way with all the laws and all the rules and every little thing that you can pick out of little commands like like, uh, if if your neighbor's ox falls in a hole, you got to help get that ox out of that hole, you know, and that's part of the law. That there's 613, I believe, commandments that they pull kind of out of the 10, and there's 613. Jesus then reduces it to how many? Two. (laughs) He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He says, and the second one's just like it, love your neighbor like yourself. So, So 
whatever command, like if you want to think of the 613 or you just want to think of the 10 or really just to live the two, which is really encompasses all 613. It does. That if you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you won't blaspheme. Right? If you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you, you won't make a graven image and worship something that is not God. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't murder, you won't commit adultery, you won't covet what your neighbor has, you'll honor your mom and dad, and there's a couple other ones too in there, but they're all summed up in those two. And so he goes, Jew or Gentile, follow Jesus, listen to God, do what he has commanded. You know, um, the Bible is, and I, think, I know it's been said before, but it, it's not difficult in a lot of places to understand what God's saying. It's difficult to do it. It's difficult to be obedient. It's difficult to forgive. It's difficult to love your enemies. It's difficult to whatever. It's difficult to do. And so, again, he's saying, let, let's not get caught up in maybe what our culture is, right? Because both of these guys, Jews and Gentiles, to a fault, would hang on to culture more than they would to Christ. And so he's saying, you know, your culture is not, circumcision, nothing, uncircumcision, nothing. Follow the commandments of God. That's what matters. So let us be obedient to him. And the same goes for us, that we want to be like Jesus. We want to do what Jesus says. Verse 20, it says, let each one remain again in the same calling in which he is called. This time he says, were you called as a slave? And then he's going to say in verse 22, were you called, um, excuse me, were you called as a slave? Do not be concerned about it. If you could be made free, use it. In this time during the Roman Empire, um, some people said there were more slaves than free people at the time. So you've got a culture where there's slaves everywhere. And, and slaves could have been ever, anything from just hard workers in the field to doctors. But they were forced to work. And so he says, so if you get saved and you're a slave, you don't have to go try to get your freedom. He says, you know, if you could be free, re- use it. And there's two schools of thought here. Some, some commentators say that means so that if a slave is, you know, he's a slave, he gets saved, but you have a chance to go get your freedom, go ahead and go get your freedom when it says rather use it. Other people really believe it means use it as a testimony to say, no, I'll, I'm, I'm a servant anyway. I'm a servant to God. So even if I am a slave and I have a chance to be free, I won't even be free because I want to demonstrate that I'm a servant. And so I'm going to stay in this place. And so either way, he says, you know, live as you're called in that way. And then he says, verse 22, for he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. And if you remember Romans chapter 6, Paul goes on and on about this relationship we have with Christ. And he says that at one point we were slaves to sin. He says, now that we've been saved, we have become slaves to righteousness that Christ is our master. And so whether you were a slave, he says, well, you're free in the Lord. Because even, so, so, so maybe you're a slave to a man, but, but what's greater than that is um, you, have, you were a slave to sin is what's worse, you see. And so he says, so you're now the Lord's freed man if you were called as a slave. He says, if you're a free man, you need to realize that liberty is not your God. Christ is now your Lord and your master. And so all of us are under authority in one way or another, right? That we have to subject ourselves under the authority of Christ and let him be the one who dictates what we do. Live as you're called. If, if you're a freed man, understand you come under Christ's authority. If you're a slave, realize that Christ has set you free. But again, and, and it come, I mean, it's been in 1 Corinthians from chapter like 3, 4, and 5 that like we're servants, guys. We're servants. It was real cool. We had a little class this week for a lot of youth and young adults and, um, on servanthood. And it, man, just studying for it, I taught on Friday, studying for it, 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 
it reminded me of a lot of things going, okay, am, am I really being a servant? I might be free in the fact that I live in America. And I think sometimes that could be you know, detrimental to us that we love liberty so much. You know? And I'm not anti-American. Please don't misunderstand. I love America. I will probably live here the rest of my life uh, unless God tells me to go somewhere else. But, but I'm, my identity is not in my freedom and, and, and my identity is in Christ. And, and for the same for these guys, it's so easy. And, and I don't think I'm taking liberty with the text here. Uh, I, I think it still fits in here. A slave in this time could, could, as his identity, just be, I'm just a slave. And in the same way, the free people can just have as their identity, I'm a free man. I have this kind of business. But don't, aren't we kind of the same? That sometimes we can begin to identify ourselves with things that are so much less than God. We can identify ourselves by what we do, right? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fisherman. <laughs> I love fishing, and, and that's, who I, that's my identity. For me, for years, it was like I'm an athlete. That's my identity. I enjoy sports and baseball, and that's who I am first. And uh, then I became a construction worker, and that was like I'm a pipeliner, you know? And I, and I took great pride in the work that I did. And, and, and there came a point that the Lord's like, you're not any of those things. You're, you're my kid, you're my servant, you know? That's, that's your identity. And I think we got to be careful sometimes to, to find our identity in any other thing except that we have been bought by Christ. And I think it's so perfect that this is our text today and it's a communion day. That we're reminded at the beginning that we're Jesus' kids before anything else. We're his kids. We've been adopted into his family. That's our identity. That's where we're found. And so he says in verse 23, he reminds everyone, you were bought at a price, so do not become slaves of men and don't be slaves of, of anything else. Then in verse 24, he reminds again, so brethren, let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. And now he's going to take this just a little further and we got to be careful with verse 25 because there are some people that would uh, argue certain things on it. And so he talked about, you know, culture, whether it's circumcision or uncircumcision. He talked about freedom, whether we're slaves or free. Now he's going to get into marriage. And, uh, and some of these things are, are kind of fun to talk about. But uh, verse 25, he says, Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. Some people look at that and go, okay, so now this part of the Bible is not inspired because this is just Paul's opinion. That is not what Paul is saying here. We know that if it has been canonized and it is here in our Bible, that the Holy Spirit saw fit to put this here. We believe, like it says in Timothy, that the Bible is the living word of God, that it was inspired of the Holy Spirit. Men of God, inspired of God, wrote, some of them not even knowing exactly what they were writing, but they were writing as they were influenced by the Holy Spirit, okay? When Paul says, I don't have a commandment, he did not have a chapter and verse in Leviticus or in Exodus to tie this to. And he didn't have a chapter and verse through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which wouldn't have been written yet, but um, he didn't have a specific thing where Jesus spoke specifically to this. And, and there's a danger right now in the church that, that I've heard some people say, well, if Jesus didn't say it, then, then it really, you know, then we, it's, it's ambiguous, and it's not, okay? The Bible, the, the words that we have in here that are in black are equally as important as the words that are in red. They really are, it's the, because it's the same Holy Spirit who influenced the whole of Scripture, Okay? And so, you know, I've met a lot of people who go, well, you know, I don't really read the Old Testament. That's Old Testament stuff. We're New Testament believers. And just, you know, I just focus on the words in red. And really, you could focus on the words in red and you could live a lifetime trying to just do that. But, but Jesus says, in the volume of the book, it is written of me, okay? So, so Jesus, if... Okay, I don't want to get too much into like, you know, I'm going to jump down off this soapbox here, but... Um, and, and again, like I go to conferences, I talk to other pastors, and some of these pastors, they, they have a hard time with some of this stuff um, that I talk to. And I guess that's kind of, I'm, I'm preaching at people who aren't even here right now, but um, <laughs> just kidding. 
But I, I just, because you might come in contact with people who maybe think these things, okay? Or maybe sometimes you struggle with these things, and so that's fine. The Holy Spirit is the author of the book. And so when Paul is writing this, the only reason he is saying, now I don't have a commandment from the Lord, it's because, again, he doesn't have a chapter and verse to pin these ideas to. But in the same way, Paul wrote the rest of the, a lot of the New Testament, and not every one of those, some of it is new revelation, okay? Some of it is new stuff. And we, and we treat it the same. And so here, we, we can't be confused that he says that because he says, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord has made trustworthy. As, as the guy who, who is called to write this letter, 1 Corinthians, I am writing under the influence of the Spirit of God. Okay? That's what he's writing. Now, what he's going to write now, some of us might go, well, wait, that doesn't line up with this other verse. It all comes together, I promise. The only place that we might have a little bit of a, an exception to the rule would be in 1 Timothy chapter 5 as it relates to widows. But other than that, this all lines up with everything Paul has said. And I feel like it's one of those times when you're trying to explain something and as you explain it, it sounds like you're saying something and so you have to correct it. You have to go, but I'm not saying this. I'm saying this, this, and this. I'm, I'm not saying this. I'm saying this, this, and this, right? Does that make sense? Okay, so let's kind of read through it. It says in verse 26, he says, I suppose that this is good because of the present distress. And here's the same idea that we've had the whole morning, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. And in what way, verse 27, are you bound to a wife? There's got to be a better way of saying that, you know. <laughs> uh, maybe this is where they get that phrase, um, the ball and chain. Um, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but no, so he says, are you bound? What he's saying, are you married? Are you married? Because let's, we, we must be honest here. Marriage, God designs it to be for how long? For life, okay? So you are, when you make those vows, you know, I remember the day that I stood right there in front of God and my dad and a lot of witnesses and saying, this is going to last forever here until one of us dies. Yeah? I think, was it Billy Graham's wife that says, no, I've never thought about divorcing my husband. I've thought of murder, but I haven't thought of, uh, I haven't thought of divorce. And that's a joke, obviously. But he says, are you bound to a wife? Have you come into this covenant relationship saying that for the rest of my days, this is my spouse, okay? He says, do not seek to be loosed. Don't try to make a way to get out of that relationship. Now, when he says because of the present distress, it's good to remain, we, we don't know specifically if this was a, a specific persecution coming at this church for this time. We know that throughout the Roman Empire, there would be persecution coming. And so you can understand in, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of something really pushing hard, that there would be a desire to kind of, you know when there's outside pressures, right? That sometimes you just desire to like, dude, I'm just going to split. Like it, it's usually to take care of one right now, you know? And there's, there's a, a tendency to desire that. And so he says, if you, if you are bound, do not seek to be loosed. And he says, are you loosed from a wife? Now, that could come in a variety of ways. He says, don't go seeking a wife. And you kind of go, well, wait a second. If, if it's good for the present distress for the married to stay married, wouldn't, wouldn't you kind of say that it's good for the single to be married? He goes, no, I, I just want you to live as you're called. Now, one of the things about, because I remember when I was a single guy reading this, I thought, um, <coughs> what? <laughs> but I thought I wanted to be married. <laughs> and here's the thing. We do not change our calling. God changes our calling. Does that make sense? God is the one who changes the calling, right? There were times that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt I was called to be a construction worker, and that's where I was to work. And something happened that God goes, there is this calling on your life to step out of construction and to go do this now. And in the same way, there was a, a, a time, a period of time that I was called to be single and then God says, I am now calling you to be married. And God changed that. But, but I, I, I went through much heartache 
and um, wasted time, and we'll talk about it in a bit, as it comes to always seeking to be bound to a wife. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And we'll go into that just a little bit. But God is the one who decides when those happen. Now, verse 28, he says, but even if you marry, you have not sinned, okay? So this is him saying, this is what I'm saying. I'm not saying this, though. I'm not saying I'm against marriage. That's what Paul has to say. He has to backtrack. I'm I'm not saying I'm against marriage because Paul already just wrote all the things in the beginning of chapter 7 and also in chapter 6 about the health of marriage, okay? And, and, And what should be done about that. So he says, so if they marry, they do not sin. If a vir- so he's talking about the male there. If a virgin marries, and when he, when he says virgin, he's talking about a young lady, okay? It's not always necessarily that she's a virgin, but that it's this young unmarried. It says she has not sinned either. He says, nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. Either Paul is saying, I'll spare you all the gory details, or if you just, if you don't get married, you'll be spared from trouble in the flesh. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you've been married for any length of time, you know that what you're doing is you're taking two people from two different worlds, they might as well be different planets, um, and you put them in the same house. And sometimes there's trouble, Right? And, and so we have to learn, seriously, we need to learn how to submit our will to God and we need to learn how to submit one into another, right? You know, I, I, I remember, you know, being a, being a young man and I so badly wanted to be married and I remember this guy came and he was from the church and he came, he's like, don't do it. <laughs> he's like, you, and he was kind of saying this, you will have trouble. Now, Sure, but you have trouble any place. So it's not, um, Paul's not down on marriage. I am certainly not down on marriage. I, I, honestly, I love being married because I know that's what God's called me to be right now, okay? And, uh, and one day death will do us part. So at that point, God will call one of us to be single again, I guess. But he says, again, remain in this place that God has called you. And it reminds me of this saying that, that says the grass is always greener what? On the other side. That's not true. The grass is always greener where it's being watered. That's where the grass is greener. So if you're standing at the fence and always holding the hose over onto the other side of the fence, that's why it's greener, right? Because like, I so badly want what's over there. I just want what's over there and all, the, all along you're standing on dead grass. If you would just stop looking over there so much and put the hose right here, it would change. It would, it's, a, it's a change of perspective, isn't it? And so he's telling these young unmarried people, he's saying, hey, do, do you seek, a, 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 like, just if you're loose, don't, don't seek that. And I know some, some of us are, or some of you are single in here might go, well, that's easy for you to say. You've been on both sides of the fence. But I have to say that I have the word of God here to back me up on this. That until God changes the calling, we need to get the most we can out of each season the Lord has given us. The absolute most we can, where we can. You know, just this morning in my devotions, I was reading in Ruth chapter 1, and I think we sometimes, as the people of God, can put an unhealthy emphasis on marriage. What do I mean by that? Well, if you remember Ruth and Naomi, Naomi goes out to Moab. She's got these uh, a husband and two kids. Uh, her husband dies. Her sons get married to these Moabite women. The, them both sons die. And, and Naomi says, hey, girls, go back to your families. Go back to your families and get married. Go back to your gods and just go stay in your country. I'm going back home. And Ruth goes, um, no, I'm going with you. And she goes, no, no, you don't understand. I can't even have more kids. It's too late in my life. I can't, you, you, you just need to go get married. And what Ruth does is she goes way beyond and she goes, stop telling, and this is a loose paraphrase, stop telling me to not follow you. I'm going where you go. And she says something really key. She says, your God will be my God. The most important thing in this world is our relationship with God. It's the most important, and it has to be paramount, because God says we can't have any idols before Him. 
God will never in, in a million years bless idolatry. And sometimes a physical relationship can become an idol. That we begin to look at a person the way we should look at God. We look to that person to give us what only God can give us. And, and so that's why Paul says, so I would spare you from doing that. And, and what I want to say, and it's a specific word, I believe, for those who are single in this room right now, whether, whether young or, or older, I, it doesn't matter, get the most out of this season as you can. Because there will come a day, maybe, I can't guarantee, there might come a day that you are married. You know, Jesus talks about celibacy. We're going to turn to it in just a little bit. But he says, for some who can accept it, accept it. Some are called to be single. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think sometimes we, again, we put a little too much of an emphasis on you've got to get married, you've got to have kids, you've got to be super duper Christian, you know. And, um, and, and you can be super duper Christian as a single. I, I look back on my single years and I did waste a few of them because of how badly I wanted to be married. And I look back with regret that I didn't go harder for the kingdom of God when I had a chance. Here's the thing about, and, and man, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but I just feel like we're going there. But, okay, verse 28, if, if it says, but even if you do marry, you have not sinned, okay? Verse 29, it says, but this I say, brethren, the time is short, that even he who, even, uh, can I just try to read the text? So that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they have none. Now, he's not saying, because he already just said, don't seek to be loosed, okay? He's saying, but what I'm telling you to do, and he's going to use a lot of different things. He's not just saying this one thing. This is not an isolated thing. No time in scripture can you just pull out a verse and just boom, put it right there. So, so guys, you can't go home and pull this verse out and just paste it up on the door that says, now from, so that from now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none. You, you can't take that verse and put it up. Because then he also says with that, that those who weep should behave as though they do not weep. Those who rejoice as though they do not rejoice. Those who buy as though they don't possess. Those who use this world as not misusing it for the form of this world is passing away. What is he saying? There should be this temperance in us. What's temperance? Temperance is we don't get too high, we don't get too low. We walk this even kill life with the Lord, okay? So what he's saying by all of this is kind of like, um, like Paul would say in Philippians. He says, this one thing I do, I forget the things that are behind. I push forward to the things that are ahead, okay? And, and so he says, those who have wives, because he's gonna get into it in the next verse. When, when you have a wife, when you have a husband, you naturally have to care for the other's needs. Just like Jacob talked about last time, that the husband has to render to the wife the affection due her and the same the other way around, okay? And so, so does that mean we can't rejoice? Does that mean we can't weep? That's not what he's saying. Does that mean we can't buy things in this world? He's saying yes, but don't let them possess you. Don't let that be the main thing you're living for. We're not living for just pleasure all the time. We're not living to weep all the time. It's like we, we do those things in their season. Obviously, the Bible tells us, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. But we're not living this life to find, to just go look for pleasure and rejoicing. We're not to go through this life looking for times to weep and be somber. We're not looking to accumulate so much in this world that it consumes who we are. You know, he said, because the world is passing away. And so what does he mean when he says that, that a guy who has a wife should be as though almost he didn't? He's saying that the time is short, guys. I mean, doesn't it look like the world's going to end soon? I think it does. The time is short, and so we need to be living for the Lord and maxing out everything we can for Him is what he's saying. Because later on, he'll say, what I really want is that you would serve the Lord without distraction. That's, that's, the, that's what he, where he's going to come land this plane, is that I just want you to serve the Lord without distraction. Again, in verse 32 now, going back, it says, but I want you to be without care. He says, he who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. He who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. 
verse 34, he says, there's a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord that she may be holy in both body and spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. He says, and, and this I say for your own profit, not to put a leash on you, but, but for what is proper that you may serve the Lord without distraction. It's reality in marriage, if you're doing it right, that there will be a cost attached to it and even a trade-off of sorts as it comes to serving the Lord. When I was single, I remember I'd go to church three services on Sunday morning. You know, I'd serve like two services. I'd sit in one service. I would be back for the, for the 6 p.m. service. After that, on Monday, I would go, I would drive down to Costa Mesa from Santa Fe Springs and go to a Monday night Bible study. After that, I would go uh, on Tuesday night to the men's study. On Wednesday night, I'd be at church for the midweek study. Um, on Thursday, I'd be at the prayer meeting. Um, on Friday, I would not do anything. On Saturday, I would usually, you know, serve some type of youth ministry event. And then on Saturday night, I'd go to young adults Bible study because I helped out there. When I got married... Some of you wives are like, better not be doing that when you get married. Because <laughs> um, Lethe did just as much. She's, she was always serving, always going all these places. And then when we finally got married, we realized that if we keep going this way, we'll never have clean clothes, right? There was, there was a time we realized, uh, when do we do laundry if we still do all these things? So certain things had to start coming off the calendar. I remember when I was uh, 19, I went on my first missions trip and I consulted the Lord only. And I saved up $1,200 and I went to Peru, right? And I think I ended up going three times in about two and a half years. I'd have to consult anybody, right? But when you get married, you better be consulting your wife on those things, you know? See, honey, where are you going? Oh, just South America. I'll be back in two weeks. You can't do that. (laughs) Now we have to consult our finances. Hey, can can we afford to do this? Can this happen? You know, so my service of the Lord changed as I, you know, became bound to a wife. And it's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. And we both, our desire is to support one another so that we can serve the Lord without distraction. But we still have to sit down and meet now and then and say, is what we're doing still okay for this time of our lives? Now we have two kids that are not infants anymore. They're getting bigger, right? Zeke's going to be five and he's going to start playing soccer. That, that changes some of how I serve the Lord, right? Elena's old enough now to, to do other things. So it changes even the busyness of things. There was a, a long season. My wife served children's ministry for years. And we had kids and she's like, this is my new children's ministry, okay? So she can't serve in the church in the same way. And, and I'll be honest with you, we still are figuring out ways to juggle this thing. Right? Right now my wife's teaching for a service. It's our our kids are coming to two services right now and, and we're juggling that and trying to hear from the Lord and go, how long can our two kids handle going to two services? For for today it works. Right? And last week it worked. And the Lord will speak to us this week if it's gonna be okay going forward. <laughs> right? And because because we both want to serve the Lord without distraction. And so one of the things that I, I do want to caution, especially singles is when looking for a mate. You need to, and again, you gotta allow the Lord to bring him in, honestly. You, you gotta let the Lord do that. You know, Adam knew best, or God knew best with Adam that he's like, you know, I'm gonna create the one for you that's gonna work with you here. Um, you gotta find someone who has the same calling you have, who's walking in the same direction as you walk. I've, I've, I've been, I, we had a very big young adults ministry at my old church and I saw people who got married and that marriage ripped them away from the things of God because they just weren't on the same page. I've met people who have had to sacrifice their calling as missionaries because the person they married had no desire to be on the missions field, okay? And, I, and I've met, you know, and it's just, it's, we've got to desire what God desires for us. And if we'll let him be the one to make that call, then we will be able to serve the Lord without distraction. I'm so blessed when I look around this church and I, and I see, um, you know, couples that are able to serve together and, you know, it's like, man, together they're serving the Lord. But that's not every case. 
You know, again, with me and Letty, that's not the case. I mean, with young adults ministry, we get to do that together because it's in our home. <laughs> but even still, she has to, when the kids need a snack, she has to bounce out, you know? And so, but one of the things we know is that the Lord has called us to serve him. And so if you're married, you need to sit down and consult with your spouse and say, what does God have for us in these last days? What does God want from us in these last days? And then to pray and to hear from him and say, okay, let's max it out for him. If you're single, you don't have to consult a spouse. But I would encourage you to pray and say, how can I max out what I have for the kingdom? You know, again, in my single time, I I mean, there was multiple people I was able to meet with at any hour of the day, really, as long as I wasn't working. It's like, oh man, you're hurting right now. You need to go sit down. Let's go talk. Come on, let's go to Starbucks or McDonald's or whatever. Let's sit down and talk. And you could do that till two in the morning and no one cares. So again, there's this freedom this, this, this to go in any direction. Use it. Use it for the kingdom, right? Use it for the kingdom. It's such a gift, honestly, to be single. And then when God calls you into marriage life, man, it's such a gift to be married. But what's the most important thing is keeping the commandments of God, doing what God has called you to do. That's the most important. And so then he goes on to verse 36, and he says, now if any man thinks he's behaving improperly towards his virgin, and we're going to read this whole thing, and then we're going to talk about it. If he thinks he's (coughs) behaving improperly towards his virgin, if she's past the flower of her youth, and thus it must be, let him do what she wishes. He does not sin, let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin does well. So he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her does better. There are, you know, as I was studying, kind of like three schools of thought on what this could mean. The first one, if you read a New Living Translation, Uh, you'll for sure see it there, that he says that this would be a young man and his betrothed virgin, okay? So they're like engaged. And And so it would be, so if you've got this young person or maybe even a little bit older single person because it says she's kind of past her youth, um, it says, you know, let him do what he wishes. They do not sin if they get married. Because again, this is coming on the heels of what he just said, that, hey, don't seek a wife. You don't need to seek a wife. But if God seems to bring this person into your life, then okay, go ahead. You know, get married. You're not sinning. So he's saying that they're not sinning. He says, nevertheless, uh, if, if in his heart he says he has no necessity and he has the willpower to just stay in this betrothal time, doesn't have to get mar- married early, he's not burning with passion. See, again, I think this breaks down at some point. So I, this is not the school of, Scott, of, of school of thought that I subscribe to. Um, the second one would be that the word virgin can actually be translated into the word virginity. And so it could actually be the guy who is dealing with himself here as just a single virgin male. So it would almost read that if a man thinks he's behaving improperly towards his own virginity, and it shouldn't be a she, but if he's you know, kind of past his youth, and if he wants to get married, it's okay to get married. But if in his heart he says he doesn't need to get married, then he doesn't have to get married. And so he keeps his virginity and he does well. And so then he who's given in marriage is, or who doesn't get married is, you know, fine. Okay, um, that's the second one. I don't, I, again, I don't know that I, that's completely where I sit. I, I, I think, and this is how I've heard it taught many times and even read in many different places, that he's talking about a father and his older daughter because in this culture, fathers arranged their children's marriages, okay? And so he's got a young lady in his house who's becoming older, uh, you know, lady, and she's kind of past the point of maybe marriage age, but she's still single. And it's like, so what does he do? Because she's under his house, kind of under his authority. You know, it wasn't, it's not like today where you just go out and marry whoever you where, you know, you have the freedom to marry kind of whoever you want. Um, but he's saying, look, dad, if you want to keep her in your house and take care of her forever, you do well to do that because you're going to, because then she can be single and she has the freedom to serve the Lord however. 
but if she really desires to be married and someone comes along and they could be married, then great, give her in marriage, okay, is what he's saying. Again, all this comes on the heels of what Paul's been speaking about. Paul, being a single man, realizes, I mean, he traveled the whole world and planted a ton of churches. So he's realizing there's, there's some benefit to being able to jump on a boat whenever you want and go serve the Lord. So, so what he's saying then is that, that either one is okay. He said, of course, he, he reminds later, like, it's in the Lord that it's okay. And then verse 39 and 40, here we go. We're going to try to land the plane. It says, a wife is bound by the law as long as her husband lives. If her husband dies, she's at, li- at liberty to get married again. Only in the Lord. If she's a believer, the Bible's very clear that believers need to marry believers. Not because we're any better or anything else than anybody else. That's not what it's saying. But if you want to be able to communicate the deep things of your spirit with another, they have to have the same spiritual senses that you have and have to come under the same authority you come under. And so, um, so he says, only in the Lord she may remarry. But she is happier if she remains as she is. Again, so this is talking about a widow who her husband dies. He says, I, I feel it's best. She could do the most for the kingdom if she stays single, is what he's saying. But if she wants to remarry, he goes, go, go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. Now in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he'll say, now if she's a young widow, I would say she should get remarried because there's going to come a time she wants to you know, have more kids or, or do whatever. And he says, but if she's an older widow, he says, no, just, just let her serve the Lord. Okay, and you could read 1 Timothy chapter 5 uh, if you'd like on that. And then again, and he says, you know, and this is according to his judgment. Again, we have to realize he's inspired by the Holy Spirit who says this. It is the word of God. We got through all the verses. Praise the Lord. If I could remind you of anything, it'd be in Romans chapter 13 where he says, guys, remember that the time is short and it is high time. It is high time to be about our Father's business. And so whether you're here today and you're married or you're single, man, live as you're called and max out what you have for the kingdom of God until he decides to change the calling. Don't go trying to change your own calling. You know, you wait for the Lord to confirm that and do it. And, and man, go just run for the kingdom. Lord, we thank you for your love and for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you for this text in 1 Corinthians that reminds us, Lord, that the most important thing is our relationship with you. And so I pray, God, that in every way, in every decision, in every little thing, God, we would be people who would consult you and say, Lord, you're the master, we're the servant, what do you want us to do in this situation in order to bring you glory? Lord, I pray for husbands and wives that they would be able to consult with one another and and even serve you in, even in their married life. Lord, for those who are single, Lord, we rejoice in that, that, that they have the ability to, to go and do so many things that people who are married cannot do. And Lord, I pray that you would help them to see it as a gift, Lord, and nothing else but a gift from you. Lord, we just submit ourselves to you this morning. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.